Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the Batman Universe for this and many other great Batman podcasts. I'm Josh, and here is some audio footage from my visit to the Tribeca TV Festival. I went over there in New York City to see the Gotham screening, and I got to walk the red carpet um, and interview Ben McKenzie, Robin Moore Taylor, and Aaron Richards. The Aaron Richards one was a little short because they were running um, low on time. I didn't get to talk to Jessica Lucas on the red carpet. She was also there, but I did talk to her off microphone, so you won't be hearing that um, after the show. So after you hear the red carpet screenings, you'll hear the Q&A that the cast did. Um, following the screening of Fear the Reaper, so hope you all enjoy that. Speaking of which, so there's that moment in season one, you know, you get Fish Mooney's nightclub, and yes. you're about to say the name, and then Jada Pinkett Smith, right. she comes in and she interrupts you, and I'm like, oh. He almost said Iceberg Lounge, and then a few episodes later, you open it as Oswald, so when we get to the end of season three... Oh, there you go. Oh, no, don't cut your head off. We need that, yeah, just like season one, when, like, you know, they're always putting you in peril, trying to cut your head off, and those, like, meat grinders and stuff. But anyway, at the end of season three, when you said the Iceberg Lounge, I was like, yes, finally, we're here. So, like, you know. Yes, if you follow the Pigment Lounge, you know that that is such a huge part of his character and his life and his base of operations. Yeah, no, and um, we were watching the episode, my friends and I, a few days ago, and we were talking about, you know, Penguin is just really like, he's like telling Bruce, you know, about this legend stuff. I said, you know what, I think he just thinks he's untouchable, you know, when he's talking to the mayor and stuff. Is that accurate? Is he like, he just doesn't care, you know, like who knows what he's doing? Yeah, right. He controls the city. He controls the city, and he also, I mean, yeah, especially this season, as you saw, or you saw it's, uh, the first episode. Um, you know, you can tell me what's going on the rest of it. <laughs> this isn't this isn't on, you know, no one's going to listen to Yeah, so he starts the, the Pax Pinguino, which it's like, you know, he's, he's controlled and licensing all of the crime in Gotham and in a way like succeeding like crime is down but again he's like succeeding by allowing crime to exist which you know my friend Jim Gordon will have a Jim how could you do that to us <laughs> I love my gym. Yeah, well, um, you know, it took until season three for you and Bruce Wayne to actually have a scene together, you know, like, are there any characters they have been interacting with throughout the show that we're going to see you with more of now? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, well, we have a new character coming in, uh, Sophia Falcone, who's the daughter of John Falcone, the amazing Mr. Reed, and she and I have some major stuff, especially at the top, the top of the season. And so that's, well, you have a history with that Falcone family. I, I, I know. You kind of wrecked her dad's career. I mean, is she going to be happy with you? Sorry, I don't know. Yeah. She'll have to deal with it. Yeah. Another Falcone for you to like, you know, mess around with. Them. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Great, man. Are you rough? Okay. Um, any villains that you'd like to see oh, right, return right, right, from the past few seasons? Oh my gosh. From the past. Uh, uh, I well, would like to add it to this. And again, we, we, we showed him in a season in, in the first episode, the Scarecrow. I've been saying for years, like, oh, I love, love, love that villain. And it's truly terrifying. And, uh, also, the, act, the actor who played on the show is so brilliant. So, yeah, so I'm happy that he's back. And then, you know, I don't know, like, it's nice when anyone Yeah, the more Enigma pots, you know, we need some of that this season. Oh, I'm sure you'll be satisfied. Well, thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing what's happening in the Iceberg Lounge this year. Cheers.
Hey, good to see you again for year four of Gotham. So, um, what is Jim up to this year? Is he? I mean, he's it was a pretty rough year last year, you know, with um, you know all that Lee stuff, shooting Mario, getting the virus, and being buried alive. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to give you uh, some easier stuff this year. Yeah, yeah, hopefully no more buried alive. We'll see. Yeah. So um, it took until season three. You know, we were campaigning for it. You know, with the producers for them to give you an apartment, and you and I talked about that at Comic Con last year. So um, we have a little treat. This is um, from the way back in Gordon's life. This is where Gordon's supposed to live in the comics. He had his own mansion. Oh my God. He had his own butler, family, and you know, see, there's Barbara Keane lighting up a cigar for Batman. Oh my God. But every night, I've been such a big fan of Batman. Every night, Gordon gets a full body massage from his son. I know. I have seen this. This is very strange. You've seen this. I have seen this. Someone put this on Twitter somewhere. That that might have been me. Might have been you. That might have been me. So um, things get a little strange in the origin story. Yeah, things get. I don't think we're going to see that in Gotham. You know. Mm -hmm. So what are you looking forward to this year? Um, God, what am I looking forward to? We have some good, good new villains. I mean, you'll see in the episode tonight, Scarecrow. Um, it's one of my favorite films. Um, Professor Pig's coming in. Um, who I love, and Michael Cerberus is playing the party. Terrific. Um, and then we've got a really interesting plot lines this year. Um, you know, Jim and Penguin are at odds, but Jim seeks out an unlike, unlikely ally Falcone, only to come back um, with a different Falcone. I do, and I don't. I think I feel lucky that I'm um, character Those strange bedfellows make for some strange um, plotlines and some really dynamic um, portrayals and, and um, power plays and, of course, action and sex. Okay, so, and I gotta ask, you know, you and Sophia Falcone, is she, um, what's that relationship gonna be like? Because, you know, she's sister in law of your ex fiance, you yes. killed you killed her brother. Is yeah, she, uh, yeah, you know, you'd think she would care about that, but seemingly she's sort of all right with it. It's a very passionate relationship. I mean, at the end of the day, it's two people who are unbelievably uh, motivated to. Um, in Jim's Maybe. case, to, I mean, to do good. In her case, to sort of seek power. But there's an element of Jim that is incredibly ambitious. I think they bond over that in a way. Jim is mostly lonely and lost. So I think there's a there's a real sort of dark, passionate side to their relationship. I mean, and two out of his last three girlfriends were all, you know, murderers too. So, so there is that. But then again, everyone's a murderer. Really. Yeah, or Jim will make them into one. Valerie got out while she still could. Now, are there any villains that you'd like to see return? Uh, always welcome Jerome back. Jerome, our brother Joker, is pretty great. Cameron does a great job with that, so that may or may not happen. Maybe a few, I would love to see... I think I've gotten most of the ones that were... I was a big fan of Riddler, and so Corey's obviously killing that. And, and Scarecrow, which we've got at the beginning of the season, so I'm good. Okay. Well, hey, um, looking forward to the rest of season four. Thank you. Looking forward to the screening later today. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Always good to see you. Cheers. You talked about the evolution of the character and all the phases Barbara's been in. So, as a treat, we have this is Barbara as she first appeared in the 1950s. Oh my God, are you kidding me? That's amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, Jim, you've come home just in time. I've changed my plans. I'm driving up with Martha. You can drop me off at her house. Is that Martha Wayne? No, it's her sister Martha. Oh, but I that's have a not sister. Jim. That's Bat you have a sister. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll see her this week. That's not Jim. What a spot. Oh, I'm Yeah, he's going. Batman in disguise. Wow, thank you. This is amazing. And here's you uh, sharing a cigar with oh, Batman. Oh, look, I look hot. Oh, yeah. Of course I share it. And then you're, you know, watching a movie together with your husband right behind you. That's amazing. Thank you. That's such a treat. Yeah, looking forward really to some more that. Babs this season. Can't Thank wait you. to see. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Wonderful. Um, so it's my absolute pleasure to introduce our panel, uh, starting with our moderator from Entertainment Weekly, Samantha Heifel. Just realized I'm standing in the way of everyone getting to their seats. <laughs> Executive producer Danny Cannon and cast members Robin Lord Taylor, Ben McKenzie, Jessica Lucas, and Aaron Richards. Hi. It's nice and bright up here. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yes. Well, Danny, I want to start things with you since you wrote that episode. I think, you know, I mentioned something to you about how it feels like a little kind of mini movie to me, kind of like a mini horror movie in some ways. When you sat down to write it, what was kind of the idea, the inspiration for you? Um, well, I, I, I think Gotham has always been um, one of the darker parts of the DC canon, so... Um, uh, it's good to do the Halloween-type episodes, and, and, and the, the Long Halloween was a, a, a comic novel that I read a few times, and once again before we started this season. So, so to, to get the flavor of Halloween and the flavor of, of that, that joyful like, fun we have scaring ourselves, I just, I just went with that. <laughs> I feel like you're going to get to continue to run with that with Scarecrow just as a villain. He's out in the wind now. He's <laughs> loose, yeah. So We love it when our villains are loose or in Arkham. Then, in it, then we can do anything we want. Sure. For the rest of you, I mean, you all just sat there and watched it. What was, like, your favorite part? What was your takeaway from that episode? Robin's hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. Yeah. Uh, no, I, well, I just, I, I love the Scarecrow thing. I've been saying for a while now, you know, we get, we get asked a lot, you know, what, what villains would you like to come back, or, or what villains would you like to have in the show and I always say well you know in season one we established so many amazing villains and and you know th this was one of them and I was so happy when we came back this year knowing that he was going to be revisited so yeah it was the scarecrow stuff it was an opportunity for our visual effects uh, team which just won an Emmy yeah. uh, to, uh, to really show you know what they're made of that was pretty amazing stuff pretty scary no yeah what they do in the time that they have and the money that they have is it's insane, the, the talent and the support we feel from them. Yeah. It is, I feel like I remember sitting in a theater watching, like, the pilot with some of you all and, like, doing this. When you watch it now, does it feel like a different show? Like, can you really feel the evolution of this series? I think in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, it's always been, I think, it's, uh, speaking just for myself, of course, um, like it's been grounded in the same tonal kind of structure, which really runs the gamut from some pretty serious, <laughs> heavy violence and, and uh, drama to some pretty kind of um, out there comedy. 
Um, <laughs> and in terms of sort of where we're, you know, how it's progressed, like sequentially, I guess that's, that's its own other story. But in terms of the tone, I think that's always been relatively consistent. The, the characters get deeper and richer because they're given more space to, you know, in which to breathe and more sort of episodes. The more episodes we accumulate, the more times they've, they've come in contact. I mean, you see with their plot line, yeah. how that's all predicated on uh, a very deep you know, history between Barbara and um, Tabitha and Selena and Ivy and you, know, mm-hmm. and, you and, you know, I mean, it, it gets quite, <laughs> quite complex. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's you know, a testament to leaning into the serialization and really letting the characters grow, evolve. And, to, and also to say, like, you know, versus where we were in season one, the best thing, what I love about, I love a lot of stuff about the show, but like one of the greatest things, especially when we start a new season, is that we carry the momentum of the previous season forward. And so now, which like I, to say about season four, we have three previous years of momentum building behind this season. And I think all of us feel that in terms of like just, you know, story and character. Like it's just, there's just so much energy there, which is so nice for a series, you know, on its fourth year. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I joked about Penguin's hair, but in, like, in all seriousness, I mean, I really do like the new look. Whose idea was this? Oh, that was our brilliant Teresa Maris Alicio, head of the <laughs> Gotham Hair Department. But no, it's in again, and, and this is also, you know, and it's also Danny too, because like, you know, like he has a very specific idea for these characters, and you know, it's it's a great collaboration between between all of us. And then I, again, and then to say like, you can watch any department on the show, and they are all telling the same story, but with whatever tools they're using. So, exactly, like the hair department is telling a story of this character, of all of our characters. Through their yeah, hair. Think, you know, it's, it's, think, it really is that detail. That's a good point. In, in the writer's room, um, you know, when you're trying to get across, when we, we plan out the season or sometimes half a season, or we do it through characters. And we, we use adjectives to describe where we want them, their journeys to be. And you look at these adjectives, and then it's partly my job is the, the, to visualize that and okay. say, well, how visually do I capture that adjective, you know? And uh, that's fun, and hair is part of it, props mm. are part of it, yes. um, set design is part of it. I mean, the amount of sets myself and our production designer, Richard Berg, have d- drawn on, on post-its, you know, just to get that idea across or throw in each other pictures that we get off the internet or, you know, oh, God, you've got to watch this movie. Watch it now, now, <laughs> you know, halfway through. Are you watching it? Do you like it? <laughs> It's, it's that idea of, of like, we just really hunger to get across as much visualization and much emotion in what we're doing, and, and we love our jobs. Sure. I promise not all my questions are about hair, but I do want to talk about Barbara. <laughs> Talking of hair. <laughs> what do you feel like this, like, symbolizes in her as she continues to evolve? Well, I think everybody knows that when a woman goes through something pretty big in their life, like death, um, they changed their hair. That's so. true. <laughs> That's what she did. Um, I say it's kind of symbolizing a, a rebirth for her. She, she has come back humbled a little bit from her experience in uh, Series 3 where she sort of got a little ahead of herself and let the, the crazy kind of need for power overpower her um, judgment. And so when she's come back... Um, 
she I mean I was I was wanting to do something a little ethereal because I felt that you know she had died therefore and she was re-erected and what resurrected sorry and I wanted it to be something that looked a little like otherworldly mm-hmm. so that's what I, I was leaning towards with the decision and, and um, with you know talking to Danny and talking to Teresa that's kind of where we were going with it um, and I think she has sort of a more sort of zen kind of calm sereneness about her that will you know develop again in, as the series go, goes on. Sure. I am a little obsessed with like the female stuff that's happening mm-hmm. and all of them potentially coming together. I think I would watch a spinoff of it mm-hmm. if you, and just saying uh, if you want to do it. Um, Siren's a good spinoff. <laughs> there you go. But is, does Tabitha at this point, does she really trust her? We saw her test her in this episode. What is that dynamic like? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I think that that's going to take some time to earn that trust back um, coming from where we did last season. Um, I think Tabitha is smart enough to know that you need allies in Gotham to survive. Um, and so she's been put into a position where she doesn't really have much of a choice. And she also still has feelings for Barbara deep down in that is playing into it as well. Um, but I think she's going to have to prove herself uh, at some point in order for them to be able to reconcile. So maybe we'll see that at some point in the season. <laughs> we saw Ivy make a very big choice at the end of yeah. this episode. Um, what is Penguin's reaction going to be? That was my first. I was like, he can't be happy about this. I, okay, I, I really like, I, I like the dynamic between Ivy and Penguin in the sense that, you know, she's innocent and, you know, light and, and whereas, you know, it, it's a, comedically, it's a really, it's really fun, you know, and then, but I think, you know, you know, this is another, this is another lesson that I feel Penguin is going to learn eventually is that, and he, he makes this mistake often in that he underestimates his, his uh, enemies and he underestimated her obviously we we've seen and and you know there's something about you know the hubris of oswald that just never really quite goes away and i'm sure it's going to come around and bite him in the ass this season i don't know for sure but that's really a daily question <laughs> yeah his achilles heel is his emotions yeah you know what i mean deep down oswald wants love you know and he's willing to kill for it <laughs> good line he'll do whatever it takes to get love. you know I mean, we also saw in this episode, we saw Jim's greatest fear, which mm-hmm. just made me bummed out. But I feel like Gotham yeah. is just like feeling bad for Jim. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, what Senior was ex. your reaction? I mean, were you like, were you surprised by his greatest fear? What was kind of your reaction? Oh, I think it was it? brilliant writing on Danny's part in the right in the room. I mean, that is his greatest fear is that he's actually causing harm he's actually you know he he prides himself on being a hero and bringing law and order and and justice and all of this stuff and saving people and in fact you could certainly make the argument as um as penguin does in the episode uh that um that that's funny there's a lot of bodies that are you know have, have uh, chim's um fingerprints all over them and so when he when he is faced with losing, you know, the one that he loves the most and, and Lee and, and she's, you know, in this fantasy killing herself because of the pain that Jim has caused her. It's, you know, it's certainly um, terrifying. Sure. I feel like we have already talked about like eight different characters, which is a joke I feel like we always make. This is a huge cast. Mm-hmm. You all fi- somehow find a way to service each of these characters on a weekly, if not like regular basis. Is that like... Is that one of your greatest struggles in the writer's room? Your or greatest like? fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that it? Yeah. Um, no, not at all. No, uh, no. Uh, 
It is. It's a great job. It's a great job because the characters are so vibrant. The actors playing them, you know, always elevate the material. So uh, it's only disappointing when you you can't service them. But it's it's almost like your children. You you find a way of getting you know them the attention that that character uh, deserves next week. Uh, <laughs> That's a great dead. metaphor. <laughs> I give my children an episode off every. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll get my coat. <laughs> Um, no, it's uh, no, it's it's a great thing. And like I said, um, the boards at the beginning of the season before we start breaking stories, and I think some shows break stories before they talk about characters. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of those shows. This is one of those shows where we do, we look at the trajectories of of character and emotionally what those journeys are. Then you can always find the stories. You can always find the villains. You can always find a way. But what you can't do is replace the relationships that they all have with each other and how we keep moving those. Which we that's the best part of the job. Sure. What would be you all's fear? What would you see? I know, I know mine, dead even. Your greatest fear. Oh, you're asking us personally? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> uh, my greatest fear would be... What would it be? Nuclear war. It would be, uh, if, it would be to survive all of my loved ones, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That would be my fear. I'm going to take this. That was great. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine's flying. Flying? flying? Flying, I absolutely hate really? flying. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm like a white knuckler You're pretty good all the way. Playing. I'm very, I internalize it very well. You're so good at that. I, but, yeah, no. Design and I spend a lot of time on a plane <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, just, it's a fear Ooh, of mine. You actually have to face your greatest fear all the time. I know, all of the time. It's awful. Gosh. Aaron, greatest fear? Um, I don't really have, yeah. Clowns? Clowns, yeah. <laughs> Well, I said nuclear war right now. That's a, that's a pretty big fear. Oh. Present. Trump. It's happening. My greatest fear is literally happening right now yeah. in the world. Way to bum us out. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Clowns. Thursday. Clowns. Such a good time. Political. Political. Yeah. You guys went big. I was going to go with, like, spiders. Like, <laughs> death. Somebody has to say it. Yeah, death. That's really yeah. behind all of it. Losing teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do want to touch on, you know, at the end of this episode, we got to see a new Bruce get up costume however you want to say it what was the inspiration for kind of the look of that have you seen Batman (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no it's tough listen I mean Jeff Johns at at DC he's he's great he's great with us but but he he, he's also leaning over us going (laughs) Uh, you know we've got a big movie coming up with Ben um And, and we're big fans of it too, so we don't want to... But what we do want to do is start having this kid, um, you know, put himself in harm's way because it's, it becomes an addiction, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Um, uh, the look of it, where does it come from? You know, a thousand pictures and, and you know, scouring magazines and, and going back and, and in, in the writer's room talking about, you know, what, what makes somebody agile but at the same time protects them and how it can evolve from that point onwards. So, you know... It's, it's, it's tough going right back to the beginning when you know where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. So we have to make that beginning a longer journey. Sure. Well, and touching on Bruce's dynamic with Jim, I feel like Jim has very much so felt like a protector in a lot of ways for a lot of seasons. As Bruce is kind of coming into this role where he's like protecting himself a little bit and doing a bit more of that, right. how does that affect their, their dynamic? Well, it'll... Um affected tremendously this season will have um 
a sort of a drastic change in their relationship, which I think we're we're still sort of figuring out what the end point of the season is with that. But the 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 sort of you know to me the the, the easiest way to conceptualize the show in terms of why are we focused on Jim instead of Bruce is that at, at when we start the show, Bruce is a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and the city is falling apart, and it needs a savior, and the only one at the time who's available is a common man, is a Jim Gordon, who is actually a law and order man. And so in Jim's both successes and mainly his failures, Bruce sees what the city needs, which is actually someone who is, um, what's the word, extra-legal or outside of the law. Right, someone who is actually a vigilante. Jim can't actually do that. <laughs> he can't actually just go out and you know kill people or fight them or you know do whatever. Um, so I think we're starting to see that you know that sort of percolating kind of whatever you would call it asymmetry or whatever kind of come to come to light. Um, that doesn't mean that Jim doesn't have a vital purpose to serve. Um, and I do think there's something incredibly human in him, which is gra- which grounds the show. In a, in a matureness and adultness and in a, a, a frailty, quite frankly, um, that at the end of the day he isn't a billionaire and he doesn't he can't sort of create a wonderful suit. Um, he is um, he's just a man, um, and so I think that's kind of the, the sort of the, the the essence of it to me. Yeah, looking kind of at the overall arcs of these characters over this three and now into season four, has there been anything both as a writer and as actors that has like surprised you guys along the way of you know a maybe a way you didn't expect your character to go Robin yeah well, well I you know I I uh, not that I was like that it didn't make sense but I was you know a little surprised about the 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 connection between uh, Edward Nigma and Oswald from season three I mean I had known about it for a long time but when it was announced it was like uh, makes sense, you know, wasn't expecting it. But, you know, it's one of those things, too, where, like, you know, it. I love that because then I can, then, okay, I'm like, okay, so how do I make this make sense with, you know, what I've been doing, you know, and this was season three, so, like, the previous two seasons. It's like, how do I make this make sense for me? And, you know, and that's an amazing, that's, like, the that's such a great actor's challenge. And, you know, the great thing about this show it, you know, from my perspective, is that Danny and all of our writers are so incredibly uh, approachable, and and you know, and there's there's room to talk and discover things together. And so, yeah, anyway, I'm frank. Yeah, yeah, mm. That was one of the things. I don't know. Nah. <laughs> are you asking uh, everyone? I'm. I. I mean, I'm. I'm constantly surprised. I think when I. When I joined, I did know that Tabitha was going to, at some point, mentor Selena, but I had no idea how they were going to get from point A to point B. So all of this amazing stuff with Aaron in the middle, uh, I didn't, I wasn't expecting any of that. Um, and I, I didn't know that they were going to introduce the Sirens and have her be a part of that either, and that's been um, so fun to play. But anytime you have, like, two strong females, you know, playing off one another, that's, that was a gift that I wasn't expecting. Um, I, I've been constantly surprised, as I think probably have our writers, about the development of Barbara in, from where it came from, from where she came from. I don't know that this was ever the plan at the start. Danny, was this ever the <laughs> plan at the no, start? No, it, it kind of. Oh, well, not at the very start. Mm-hmm. Not at the very, very, very no, start. No, I mean, I think that's, that's the joy of 
the character of Barbara um, and the characters that aren't so well known to everybody because we began with something and she was a thing that was going to be like a light for Jim, like a way for Jim maybe to be safe in Gotham. And then we quickly realized that that is not exist. Like there is no safe place in Gotham. Um, so she, you know, began this incredible journey that I've had the absolute pleasure and fortune of playing where she's just had this huge arc that has been so interesting. And I feel like she has so much potential like as in you know she could end anywhere she could go back to good she could go bad and that's I think the great thing about a character like Barbara where we don't necessarily know the end of her I mean there's things that people want no. babies, <laughs> babies etc but you know the, the joy of what we get to do is I think the fans would let us have leeway with her in that we could do anything yeah. she's, she's great well, Danny, you mentioned at the very beginning that wasn't, you know, always necessarily the plan. How did Barbara's kind of trajectory evolve for you guys? I, I was at dinner in New York with, with Bruno before we premiered the pilot. And it just kind of, we were talking about characters and, and I said, you know, Barbara would be a cracking bad person. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and there was that awkward silence of like, oh. And it was, it was great because the thing about surrounding Jim Gordon with things that move all the time do you know what I mean mm -hmm. like he can never sit down and you know move forward or, or like take a step without something going wrong and the idea of like you know a fiance of his like taking the breakup and and the, so badly that it, it, it <laughs> really bad yeah yeah no she's she's a little dramatic but um <laughs> it, it just worked we just we, we knew when it, we said it out loud that it would work sure well we're, we talked about character evolutions Ben, as a personal evolution, you wrote an episode this season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? It was terrific. Um, uh, to be in the room, uh, which I was able to be in for a few weeks, um, right as we were starting, I think we'd map out the first couple of episodes um, before I was, able, I was able to be there, and then we were breaking story and, and, and conceptualizing the whole season still at that point. Um, it was really really great um, and then just to go through the process you know as actors we're privy to a lot we're obviously privy to production we're there and so we're able to watch directors and and sort of you know crib some notes and kind of you know see if we if we have an inkling to, to do that we can kind of like you know observe that but it, it's hard to observe writing because <laughs> writing happens in a room by yourself often right. and um, but it, what part that doesn't is in is in the writer's room itself that was really interesting and then to go through the whole process including all the notes all the studio and network feedback um, and most particularly the actors feedback you know that was what I was really excited about was to sit there and sort of hear the words from this cast and then you know is it working? <laughs> like, what, what, can, what can make it better? You know, how can we how can we fix this or change this or you know soup that up? And um, and then to watch them on set was just. There's a scene in episode four, which is the one I wrote, where um, Robin and Corey are are um, coming coming again, like in contact with each other after events, and um, and it's just great. It's funny. It's 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 moving. It's human, and uh, and it was. 75% or more just the performances and you know, then there were some words <laughs> but it was really great to watch them to watch them work you know it was really a treat yeah 
Danny, did you give Ben any advice before he embarked on that? No, no. I mean, it's like when you're working with a cast as closely as we do, and we're friends too, you know, so it's kind of like nothing felt weird. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it would only feel feel weird if if you didn't have any relationship with the people. No, I I, I like it. You know, um, I like the more they can be around the creative process, and not just their own creative process, the better. Because it helps us too. It's like having somebody, you know, who understands you. Well, and to give to give Danny credit, you know, Danny's been doing this for I don't even know thirty years or so. Hold on, <laughs> pretty much thirty since film school. I don't know, What's, but professionally, I'm thirty-five. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he's thirty-five. He's thirty-five years old. Anyway, you know, Danny's been involved since you know shows like CSI, which were around for a little while. Um, and there's this whole huge sort of legion of people that have worked under Danny, and and they'll start as sort of you know like assistant camera or something and they'll work all the way all the way up to you know cameramen directors of photography directors producers you know Louis Melito who directed this episode where's Louis yeah. yeah stand up Louis yeah Louis Louis yeah. was my Lewis AD this episode and um Louis was my he's with his two beautiful two of his beautiful daughters um he was my AD um, back on the CSI days. And it was pretty obvious, not only did we get along, but it was pretty obvious that the way he was thinking and the way he was watching and the way he was listening, that he was going to be doing this one day. And now there's nobody else I'd like to direct an episode of mine. Mm-hmm. And so that, that speaks to the open door policy. That, I mean, you don't, you don't get it for free. If you're not good, anyone won't, won't keep you around for most. But if you're good and you're working hard and you want and you're keen to learn, then, you know, Danny and John Stevens, um, they're all, you know, it's, it's a welcoming set for that sort of thing. And that's, that's such a gift for us. Sure. And you're also directing again this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Have you done that yet, or is that... Yeah, Ben directed I directed last season. You directed last season. Well, yeah, I meant like this season. Oh, no, I get the same, uh, same slot, so mm-hmm. episode 16 again uh, this year. I don't know what the script is yet. So we'll see. <laughs> you should write it. It's a one-man show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's that? It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's a one-man Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they don't let people write write the ones that they direct. <laughs> I found I honestly found writing my my own dialogue harder than writing other people's dialogue. Yeah. Why? Because because you're too close to it, maybe. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Because there's nobody to complain to about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, I, no, that's exactly right. I was like, well, this isn't great, but you know, Robin will change that. That'll be fine. <laughs> but when I write it, it has to be good, and it's not good. And you're like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> Can't say these words. Who am I going to complain to? <laughs> not a mess. Was there a character whose dialogue came easiest to you? Harvey Bullock is the easiest yeah. character. <laughs> because Harvey Bullock that can doubt. say anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He can say anything. <laughs> he can take any position. He can defend. And that's a testament to, to Donal for sure. But he just, he'll do anything. Yeah. You want to make a joke about donuts, Harvey, you know, Donal will sell it. You want to <laughs> talk about, you know, a deep, emotional, passionate speech about, you know, losing your mother, Donal will sell it. He can do anything. Yeah. yeah. But for Ben's fellow actors, what is the experience like of having a coworker write your lines or direct you? Is it? It's fantastic mm. because again, like like he just said, like I, you know, I've had so many amazing scenes that have run the entire gamut with Ben, and he knows exactly what I do. And 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 like when he's directing, there's just an immediate shorthand. Mm-hmm. Like like there's all of that other like trying to explain things or whatever, like. It's a, it's, a, it's a word, it's a yeah. look, it's a point. 
You know, it's, I've, and that's I've, fabulous. I love that. You over, know? Over-directing sometimes makes people nervous. Like, you know, if you go on and on and on and on about the subtext and everything, they're looking at you like, I get it, I read it. Yeah, especially <laughs> yeah. if Now you're making me it. nervous. Am I not right for this? Right. I asked an actress once what was the best direction she ever got, and she said, he said, you look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I was amazing all day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I loved working with you as a director, I have to say, because I found that um, your perspective was so spot on and you would come in with something that w- like I would not have thought of. I feel like when you're on a show for a long time, you sort of get into patterns and routines and you're so used to doing the same thing over and over again. But you came in and you had all of these like notes that were so creative and very specific, which I really appreciated. Thanks. And I really liked your passion. <laughs> as well as I everything excited. else. But that was You're so great. beautiful because obviously everyone else that comes in has the passion too, but they've done it a lot of times. Exactly. It was like your first time and like the joy that you brought every yeah. day. It was yeah, so wonderful. No, I, I like the way that he directed in costume. Um, I was just thinking I'm not going to wear like a hoodie with oatmeal on it anymore you know I'm going to wear a suit and have my hair done (laughs) (laughs) the only one I was yeah exactly (laughs) All right. well I want to make sure if we have any fan questions I want to throw it out to you guys I know we have mics roaming around here we go raised hand coming up behind you there you go coming up Thanks so much for coming out. Really enjoy the show. Thank you. What impresses me as well about the show is how physical your roles are. Do you guys have individual coaches or do you work with stunt people? How do you rise to that occasion? We have an amazing stunt team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm Douglas is our stunt coordinator. He's um, Emmy Award nominated. Emmy nominated. Award nominated. Won it last year. Incredible. Yeah, won it last year. He's, uh, he's um, phenomenal. Uh, I have an amazing double. Turner, who does nothing. I my do all of my, yeah, my yeah. favorite. <laughs> my favorite guy on set. Yeah. What's that? It's a Turner. I just love him. Yeah, yeah. He yeah he's really great. terrific. He's awesome. uh, and um, and and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. In terms of training, I guess it's individual. I I try to stay in shape. <laughs> Stay in shape. Yeah. How do you do your stunts, Robin? What? How do you do your... Clumsily. <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen so many times in those fucking shoots. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> my language. Shoots are massive. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and the limp and the thing. Speaking of, it is hard to do the stunts and heal. Oh, yeah, yeah right. absolutely. I'm complaining. You'd be surprised at how quickly it all comes together. We usually do like one day of rehearsal, maybe the week before or something. Yeah. Um, but they're really great at adapting to your skill level, too. Like, they're really open to you changing things up, or they'll come in with ideas. If you have an idea, they're happy to incorporate it. Um, they make you feel strong and powerful, and, like, you can actually kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I can't in real life, so. <laughs> you do a very good job. <laughs> I, I actually, fake it well, I fake it It's well. Cameron who puts this to shame, isn't That's it? That's true. Because Cameron, um, because she's a dancer, mm. she picks up the choreography in like 10 seconds and she, yeah, she puts yeah. us to shame a little. Like that scene in the first episode yeah. of the season. Yeah, she's very good. Watching her do that on set was incredible. Yeah. I was quite lucky this year because, um, I mean, I'm not, am I allowed to say about that, Danny? What's that? The the stuff that I get to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> uh, so I uh, I get trained while I'm going through my kind of dead back to life period by Raish um, to be like a martial arts expert. So there's going to be all of that 
coming up, and that was really fun to do because I haven't really been able to. Like my 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 fighting was very scrappy. I don't know if you remember that bit where I where I fought Morena. That's right. And we just hair pulling. It was, yeah, hair pulling, and it was really great. But this this fighting is like actual kind of skilled, um, specific kind of precision fighting. So I really I really like doing stuff like that because I used to dance many moons ago, not as well as Cameron, but um, just having that kind of, um, going back to do that kind of dedicated training is, I find, really rewarding. Question for, is it on? Uh, Question for Danny or Aaron or whoever wants to spill the beans on this one. There was talk in some interviews at the end of last season that Barbara, kind of like Butch, would be turning into a different character. Then over the summer they said... Never mind, uh, she's just going to be Barbara. Who was that character? Can we find out who it was? Uh, I, I never say never um, on this show. I would, I would definitely say I just think the transformation that she's gone through and the evil alliance she has with somebody is, uh, can lead many different places. Uh, whereas we, we, we know where Jessica's going. and we, we, But I, I, we're, we're kind of obsessed right now. That, that what happened was we were obsessed with this idea of the sirens. And, and girl power and keeping them together and having them kick some ass for themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, we fell in love with that. And that, that's, so we didn't steer away from it completely. It's on hot ice. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? No. Um, I just want to say that I love you all, first of oh, all. Hey, yeah. I love you too. Um, but I just want to ask, will we see Jerome again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, mean right around episode 12? Uh, yeah. He's directing. <laughs> um, um, God, if I, it was, spoiler alerts. Um, uh, <laughs> is that your answer? <laughs> Um, Not the answer. <laughs> uh, what the hell is in New York? We're a good. Uh, we're we're in a good mood. Yes. Yes. Whee. There we go. Okay, uh, this is great. This is one of the best episodes I've ever seen. I I actually have a Batman one. I'm a. I'm thinking of the '60s and all of that. And I I know the whole. I'm waiting for you to get fat. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to, 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 to get, you know, become like a penguin, you know? It's like, when's that going to happen? Um, you know, I know a lot about the history. I know the premise when it first came out. This is a preamble, you know, a precursor to, like, really about Jim and his whole story. I see this episode was amazing because I'm thinking of the comic and I'm very in tune to the whole history of the comic with Bob Kane and all that. How you, you know, when, when Bruce got caught... This is the first time he's now kind of like a vigilante, and you're like, he's trying to kind of hide, he's kind of Batman coming of age, and you're right. like, obviously they never find out in the real comic, but in the future, number one, I'd like to see the Joker come back, because he's like a really important character. How far are you planning on going with Bruce? Because once he becomes Batman, he becomes, he goes after everybody. He's the ultimate, yeah. you know, going after you, and well, Barbara really wasn't in the comics so much. Yeah, I think you became married. It weren't, weren't you know, in, in the real comic book. That's we should get this guy to write. Um, yeah. well, I, know, I, I know the story of Batman. I mean, I, you know, just because I know the whole history of the, the comic. Whole but ultimately, is Bruce, because once Bruce becomes Batman, kind of everything's going to change. Is that the yeah, plan? Well, we like, can't is really, always we stay can't actually become Batman. We can't, we can't, we can't. Well, we do a Batman series then. 
But it, it's been fabulous. Talk to Fox. When you guys are, the writing is great, and, and I'm, uh, I'm still waiting for you to get fat. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll we'll work on that. About it tonight. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> more bagels. I think we have time for like one or two more questions. Anybody? Oh, we got some hands. Oh, we got a mic. Uh, my question is more or less around along the lines of VFX. What were your challenges that you faced, and um, if you could just give like a, a brief explanation of um, just how your team works? The, v- the VFX team. Um, you know, we try to help them as much as we can. Um, in shooting because we have to keep the amount of effects per show down. There's a budget that we can't go over. And that's why they've been so great to us because sometimes they just throw it in there because they're passionate about the show, which I really appreciate, like the guys who do our music. Um, uh, uh, the process basically is, is uh, right from the beginning of, of um, uh, conceptualizing the, the story and, and, and uh, we'll, we will talk to them and ask for a test. For example, we ask for a um, scarecrow test um, and once you do that test and it could be anyway it could be one of the visual effects team just filming himself um, once you see that test then you let them go with it I don't micromanage from that point onwards I micromanage the test but then I know it's going to apply to the show um, it's all about really talking to the directors especially and asking them to limit the amount of times they're going to rely on visual effects because it's so easy to go oh they'll fix that they'll fix that you know there's a you know they'll fix that um but it all came from uh, ha- having a helicopter shoot in new york filming new york for new york and then teaching visual effects what buildings to take out and what to put in to make it the gotham that is timeless uh, and ageless and um once we did that then we had our shorthand then we we knew our tastes were the same and it was easy to apply that so um yeah, no, um, th- those guys are just terrific. That's, I hope that helps. <laughs> it does. Oh, Everybody, okay. Can we get a mic down here? There's so much darkness in the show. Um, and Jim Gordon's like the only one holding a candle and, you know, a hurricane pretty much. <laughs> Where... Aside from humor, are there other characters that are going to help bolster that hopefulness? I mean, I like dark, but if you don't have, if you don't have the contrast, then you don't get the sharp edge. I'm assuming the sirens will take care of a lot of the, uh, uh, some hope, even if it's on the flip side. But where is the hope coming from in all this darkness? You know, I think in, even, even amongst the darkness, um, characters can still... Um, Seek redemption, seek seek love, seek um, um, happiness, even if it's of the twisted variety. Um, but you're right; it's a dark show. It's a dark show. It's a dark Our show also does this brilliant thing, which I was saying earlier. Like in, it's like in life, you know. Sometimes the best intentions create the most disastrous, unforeseen results, and on the flip. Sometimes the most depraved intentions can create harmony and beauty, and and I think I think that's all. Like the hope is buried, you know, in in, in there somewhere. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And and there's Lee Tompkins. There's always Lee Tompkins. There's always. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Bruce and Bruce and Alfred obviously have um, 
or our, 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 um, their lights, uh, as well as um, uh, Harvey and Jim, for the most part, although that relationship will be tested. And I think what you're saying about the sirens, we're, we're sort of coming together as a, a family unit, um, and we're fighting for something. It might not be, you yeah. know complete peace and love for all but it's fighting for something and I feel like I don't feel like we're particularly dark right now I feel like we have some mm -hmm. some, some tiny torch that we're carrying mm -hmm. right. I think we have yeah. one last question right here go for it hi just want to say I love you guys and you. Danny you should bring back Harvey Dent just saying. Um, my question is um, since season three didn't have like a blooper reel I just wanted to See, um, what was like your favorite mess up on set? Like, funny stories or anything? <laughs> They're probably not broadcastable. <laughs> no. well, didn't you make the season one blooper reel just us all going fuck? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I, Donald just makes it too much fun. It doesn't feel like a mess up. It actually improves the dialogue. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah. There will, be a, there will be a blooper reel. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what? It's, getting these shows done is almost a miracle we get them done on time and on budget. Yes. You barely have time to look over your shoulder and sit. I mean, you know, when people say, did you get it today? You go, sometimes you go, I don't know, actually. I can't remember what I started with this morning. But so I think the day just goes so fast. And thankfully, these guys are all so prepared and ready that we're very focused. And, and you know, I think we have a laugh offset, but there's no cameras there for that. Thank, <laughs> thank God. Thank God. I've been filming everything, Danny, every conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> well, then that would be a good blooper. <laughs> All right, I think we are out of time, but thank you guys so much for coming out.